Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Welcome to the She Thinks Big podcast, where you'll hear from women entrepreneurs who are doing good in the world, from spark to screw up to success. Thinking big is in their core. It's in yours and it's in mine. I've traveled to 50 countries and seven continents, done an Ironman, and co-founded a company that has generated millions of dollars for sustainability. My name is Geraldine Carter, and I'm delighted to share with you conversations and coaching with amazing women. Time to get inspired and grow your impact. Hey, ladies, welcome to the show this week. I'm diving in because I have something interesting and useful to offer. And as I was sitting here looking through my notes and getting ready to record, I was paging through one of the books that I want to talk about. And one of these bullet points stopped me dead in my tracks. It says, you sometimes procrastinate because you don't have all the right pieces in place to do the project perfectly. <laughs> and I was like, dag nabbit, she nailed me. <laughs> so I decided to simply start recording because the thoughts in my head are all there. So let me jump in and tell you what I want to talk to you about on this episode today. And that is the idea of your attention and your focus. Where is your attention during the day? Where is your focus during the day? Where is your focus in your business throughout the month, throughout the course of the year? And where is your focus in the rest of your life, your family life, or the other parts of your life? There's been a lot of conversation and hullabaloo about multitasking and solo tasking and Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. There was a New York Times article on his book a couple weeks ago, and I'll link to his book and every book that I mention in this episode in the show notes so that you can check them out. But this question around focus and attention and multitasking and all this stuff is really getting a lot of not just play right now, but I'm also really noticing it for both my clients and just generally people that I talk to. And at the small scale, the problem is around having a fragmented mind, having a fragmented attention span that is routinely broken up, spliced up, chopped up by notifications, texts, emails, social media, phone calls, and so on. And a lot of us, a lot of you are struggling with how to manage that. And it seems like the notification, distraction, whatever is just an onslaught. And what it sounds like, the way I hear it talked about, is that we're at the mercy of it. And what I want to explore today is how do we shift from being at the mercy of this new sort of tech space that we're all going through right now? How do we shift into intentional and proactive, deep and focused thinking and working? Because the way that we're doing things right now is just not working for a lot of us, right? A lot of us are like stressed out, overloaded, and our brains are exhausted from dealing with all this information that comes in. And a lot of us are spinning in all this like notification stuff, and yet we don't know what to do about it. 
And we also know that it isn't good for us. It isn't where we want to be. And we also can't seem to find our way out of it. So I want to talk about it this week at a higher level. And in a future episode coming up soon, I want to talk about practical and tactical ways that you can implement to put the kibosh on the multitask notification social media spin. So let's get started with these three books that I think are all really interesting, worthwhile reads that I want to take a little bit of time to tell you about each one of them, why I think each one is valuable and important, how each one fits into your day-to-day work life, and what is the thread that pulls these together. So the first one is Work Less, Make More by Jennifer White. There are a couple of different authors who have written books called Work Less, Make More. (laughs) Hers is the red and black one. That's the version I've read, and I'll link to that in the show notes. This book is a really powerful and provocative book that asks you to take a look at how much you're working and what that looks like in your life. A lot of you are entrepreneurs, solo business owners, or maybe you have a couple of subcontractors that do stuff for you. And what I hear from a lot of you is that the 40-hour work week is like a dream. (laughs) And this isn't for everyone, but I know that a lot of you are working more like 45 hours, 50 hours a week, where you're taking work home on weekends, maybe doing a few hours on Saturday, or maybe a full day on Saturday and a few hours on Sunday. And a fair bit of you are checking email after work hours, right? Like after the kids go to bed or sneaking in a few minutes here and there, that kind of thing. And I don't know about you, but I grew up with this mad Protestant work ethic that was like, working hard is the morally right thing to do. And the more we work hard, the better a person you are, I guess would be the corollary to that. And I've always been a hard worker, right? I enjoy working. It comes easily to me. And of course, the tendency being a hard worker is to overwork. And workaholism runs in my family. And this book, Work Less, Make More, really called me to the mat on my own workaholic tendencies. It was a real eye-opener. And the funny story is that I was reading it in bed And I took the little 20 question quiz and I scored, I don't know, like a 17. And that was the cusp for workaholism. And I, I lean over to John and I'm like, kind of on the cusp of upsetness. And I'm like, cutie, am I a workaholic? And he's like, totally deadpan. He's like, yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, what? Really? I am. And he's like, what are you reading right now? Is it for work or for pleasure? And I was like, work. And he goes, See, (laughs) I just burst into tears. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, I'm a workaholic. (laughs) And what do I want to say about this? The trap that a lot of us get into is that we equate toiling with being more effective and making more money. And that's not it. And what we think is that if things aren't working right in our business, that the answer lies in working harder and working more at the very same things that aren't working. What the author brings up here is really getting clear about what it is that you have to offer the world. What were you put on this earth to do? What are you great at? What can you create that nobody else is going to create? And she uses a bunch of real life examples from her own clients. And one of them that I think illustrates it really well, even though the actual work itself doesn't speak to me, is a woman who was an artist and loved doing calligraphy. And so she was doing handwritten wedding invitations and invitations for other special events. She loved it, but the pay was abysmal. So she worked with the author and over time figured out that the way to leverage her talent was to become super, super good at one specific style of calligraphy, which she ended up turning into her own font, which is now available 
as a font that you can purchase. So now anytime somebody purchases her font, she's making money without having to actually do sit down at your desk, work for it. And I realize this example won't necessarily speak to you or me because that's not the space that we're working in. But the idea is that she went from being very good at something that was a value to people and people were paying her for it, but they weren't paying her a great wage for it. It was like a livable wage, but that's it. And once she figured out how to hone her expertise and really turn it into something that she could leverage, that's when she began to be able to work less and make more. What she did is like hyper niching down. And this process takes a long time, right? But in that process, what you do is become increasingly clear about your niche and become an increasing expert in it. And the more you do that, the more you can charge and command higher rates for what you're doing, suddenly you become able to delegate what you need to delegate and get off your plate and really just do the work that you were put here to do. So if you find yourself serving lots of different clients in lots of different ways and making a sort of average livable but unexceptional income, I really want you to be thinking about how can you hone, how can you become a deep expert in what you're doing, and how can you really narrow down and focus your niche so that you become known for something really specific. Okay, the second book is Deep Work by Cal Newport. <laughs> so I started out with a nearly fatal error reading this book, and that is that I started in the middle. And I was thumbing through the pages, and I was like, oh my god, snore, this book is so boring. And what makes this guy an expert in deep work? He's an assistant professor of computer programming at Georgetown. Why is he writing a book about deep work? Shouldn't that be written by some psychologist? And I was like, who is this guy anyways? And I honestly had put it down and written it off until I saw a post on LinkedIn where a coach who I follow read 52 books last year and ranked this one in her top eight and listed it as number one. And I was like, what? Really? You've got to be kidding. That book? That thing was so light and fluffy. <laughs> and then I got over myself and I was like, well, maybe I should give it a second chance. So I started at the beginning. And it turns out when you start at the beginning and you read the context and the setup, the book gets a lot better. And it got really, really good and actually quite interesting and thought provoking. One of the things that he says in his hypothesis here, I'll read it to you, is, well, first of all, let me read you what he says deep work is just so that you're on the same page. Professional activity is performed in a state of distraction-free concentration that push your cognitive capacities to their limit. These efforts create new value, improve your skill, and are hard to replicate. Compared to shallow work, which is non-cognitively demanding, logical-style tasks often performed while distracted, these efforts tend to not create too much new value in the world and are easy to replicate. And his hypothesis is, the ability to perform deep work is becoming increasingly rare at exactly the same time it is becoming increasingly valuable in our economy. As a consequence, the few who cultivate this skill and then make it the core of their working life will thrive. Now, you can take issue with that or not, but fundamentally what he's hitting on here is that a lot of us are working in a semi-distracted state almost all of the time. And we have an increasingly difficult time turning off and tuning out all the noise. It's hard for us to give ourselves permission to just shut everything off. I hear a lot of people tell me that they believe that people are expecting to hear back from them via email within the hour or a couple hours. And that's how they operate. They say to me, well, I have to get back to people right away because otherwise they'll da 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 da. Not everyone says that. But there are some people out there who are operating as if like they've got to be constantly available and reachable via their email. There's also, like I mentioned, an onslaught of notifications. And if you have Apple products that are 
tied together, you might get three of the very same notification across different platforms, right? You get the text on your phone, you get the same one on your iPad, and you get the same one on your computer. I read something this morning that said that the average worker gets interrupted every 40 seconds. How nuts is that? But you could see it, right? With like all the things that bing at us. If we leave all that stuff on, if we allow it to be on, it makes getting any real work done absolutely impossible. And the problem here is that if you want to work less and make more, you need to become an expert at what you're doing. I mean, sure, there are other ways to make money, but for most of you, I'm talking about really becoming good at your craft, right? And you cannot become an expert at what you're doing if you're constantly distracted. If you're doing research for your clients, and you get pinged every couple of minutes, how far are you really gonna get? If you wanna write a book and it's difficult and challenging work and every time you feel a bit uncomfortable because you can't figure out what to say and you've got writer's block so you just bounce over to Facebook, how far are you gonna get writing that book? If you wanna create great work, if you wanna be a thought leader, if you wanna stand out in your field, it requires that you spend time going deeply. And the irony here is that I'm trying to think about what I wanna say and my cat is here walking all over the desk. And it's, guess what? Not working. I can't hold my train of thought, right? Do you guys remember back in the day when we had Windows and you would go defrag your computer? This is what's happening to our minds with all the notifications and interruptions that are happening. Our attention gets fragmented and spliced up. And you remember when you would go defrag your computer, you defragment it, and it would take all the like pieces of memory and put them with like pieces of memory. And then you'd reboot your computer and all of a sudden it would run so much faster. That's not that different than what we're doing with our attention span and with our brains. And the problem doesn't just stay at the surface level. As we soak ourselves in notifications and distractions, we're actually rewiring our brains to become less effective at paying attention. And we're losing our ability to hold focus. And the people who do deep work, according to Cal anyways, say that the maximum they can do deep work for is about four hours. And that when people start out really wanting to implement doing deep work, that the most they can hold their focus for is about 20 minutes. Thankfully, you can retrain your brain to get better at holding its focus for a long time. But it doesn't just snap back to being able to focus on Friday just because you decided on Thursday that you were done with your notifications and distractions. Another piece of this is by now you know that multitasking does not work in your favor. And the term that the brain scientist uses task switching. And you've probably heard that it takes up to 20 minutes to get back to where you were before you were interrupted. The other piece that he brings up that's sort of connected to this is that when you switch from task A to task B, that you have this sort of mental residue that sticks around for a period of time until it slowly starts to dissipate. So if you're going from task A to B to C to D, you've got residue from each one that impedes your progress on the next. And if you're going from A to B and back to A and back to B, you're just piling up the residue and not able to dedicate 100% of your capacity to what you're working on. And really what I find most valuable about deep work is the concept not of avoiding distractions, but putting first into your calendar blocks of deep work. So instead of trying to slot deep work in between all your different meetings, phone calls, whatevers, instead of waiting for moments and windows of time to do deep work to appear, instead of being reactive about it, to be proactive about it. And to block out chunks of time in your week that are dedicated to focusing on what it is you do best. Turn everything else off, make yourself as unreachable as possible. Do that first and reward yourself with distraction breaks after you spent 60 or 90 minutes in a state of deep focus. Okay, now I wanna turn my attention to the third and last book, 
that I want to talk about, which is Brain Rules by John Medina. This guy's a developmental molecular biologist, and he's a founding director of two brain research institutes, so he arguably knows his stuff. There are three key pieces that I want to call attention to. This book, by the way, is a really fun, easy, light read. It's 200 pages and really nicely spaced. <laughs> so you can make light work of it. The first one is around stress. You guys have probably heard of experiments that, of course, by any measure, are inhumane experiments, usually involving animals, giving them some kind of painful stimulus that they can't get away from. Like there's the one with the elephant with the chain tied around its leg that is attached to the, the stake in the ground. And no matter how hard the elephant tries, it just cannot break away from the chain. There's the one with the dog that you put in the crate and it gets an electric shock. And over time, it just learns that it has to deal with the electric shock and it can't get away. And then when you take away the stimulus or you take away, in the case of the elephant, the heavy shackles and you just put on a little rope, the elephant has learned that it is helpless and doesn't try to break the rope, even though it easily could. And the same with the dog. The dog has learned that it's stuck in the crate and now you take the crate away and you just replace it with like a simple wiring thing that it could easily get out of and it just cowers in the corner. These are studies that have to do with learned helplessness. This happens in arguably less severe ways to humans too. Some people fall into a state of learned helplessness and don't see a pathway out. Even when there is one, they just don't see it and it becomes deeply stressful for them. A little bit of stress, a burst of stress in survival times was a really good thing, right? You get a shot of adrenaline, a burst of energy flows through your body, and you're able to hopefully outrun that tiger. It gets replaced by a burst of cortisol, your system settles down. That's all normal. What our brains aren't designed for is chronic stress, continued levels of high stress. And the problem with this is it really gets in the way of learning. It also affects your memory and your problem solving. It gets in your way of your ability to concentrate. A perfect storm of stress in your job is when there's a lot that's expected of you and you don't have a lot of control over whether you'll do well. This is a lot of entrepreneurs, right? We expect a lot of ourselves and we don't always know how things are gonna turn out for us in our businesses. Being an entrepreneur, being a business owner is a very likely setup for having periods where you're gonna be stressed out. And remember, when you're stressed out, the brain does not work nearly as well, right? Not as good at learning, not as good at remembering things, and not as good at concentrating. So we really need to be on the lookout for stressors in our businesses and have tools in our chest to be able to settle ourselves down. The second one is exercise. And there's a lot of debate over whether or not exercise feels good, right? Like some of us love to exercise and we think it feels awesome and others of us hate exercise and loathe going to the gym. And yet, time and again, the research shows that exercise boosts your brain power. Our brains evolved out on the savanna when we were walking long distances, and there are plenty of studies to support that compared to couch potatoes, people who exercise are more mentally alert. So of course you're asking, well, how much do I have to do? And the answer is not that much. Even walking several times a week is enough to make a measurable difference. So when you're tempted to justify skipping out on your walk or your workout, Remember that regular activity is actually going to help you think better. The third of three topics from Brain Rules is sleep. I love the chapter on sleep because he starts out saying, how much sleep do we need? And the answer is we don't know. That it varies by person, it varies by age, it varies if you're pregnant, it varies if you're going through puberty. So instead he tries to answer the question, how much don't you need? What happens if you don't get enough? He goes on to cite a bunch of studies one of which is if you take an A student who's usually in the top 10th percentile, that if she gets seven hours of sleep and eight on the weekends, that her scores drop to the bottom 10th percentile. 
And that these sleep losses, if you don't make up for them, accumulate over time, which explains why people who, for whatever reason, aren't getting enough sleep night after night go into chronic sleep deprivation and end up feeling like zombies. He cites a few other studies and then summarizes at the end with, taken together, these studies show that sleep loss cripples thinking in just about every measurable way. Sleep loss hurts attention, executive function, working memory, mood, quantitative skills, logical reasoning ability, general math knowledge, and more. More? As if those things aren't enough. Okay, so what makes this important? In our routine of self-care, it's one of the things that I see getting left behind. It's one of the places where we think if something has to give, maybe if we carve out a little bit of sleep, that we can get an extra 30 minutes back. In fact, I had one client who was kind of in a sleep trap. She was underslept, and so during the day, while trying to get her work done, she was utterly unable to focus. At four o'clock, the kids would come home. She'd be doing family stuff until like eight o'clock at night, put the kids to bed and then fire up her brain and work like a champion until two in the morning. She'd sometimes fall asleep on the couch exhausted and then wake up at 6 a.m., kids are up and do the whole thing all over again. In her own words, she couldn't focus. She couldn't pay attention. To make matters worse, she had a number of different projects and initiatives that she was trying to push forward that were really different and some of which weren't even related to the same business. So she was task switching to the max. So the work we did together was to get real about everything that was on her plate, plan out and map out her projects, and get real about when she was going to work on things during the day and try and flip her schedule from being a self-proclaimed night owl, which she loved, except in reality it wasn't working because she has a family who didn't want to get on her schedule and figure out how to set up her day so that she could work effectively during the day and sleep at night. And I'll be honest, the work didn't come easily for her to be able to make this transition. But in the space of about three or four months, we were able to turn things right side over and get her back to a place of working effectively during the day and being mentally alert. So how do these three books, Work Less, Make More, Deep Work, and Brain Rules, how do they tie together and what's useful about it? When I listen to you talking about your businesses, what you want in your life and what your challenges are, what I hear consistently is that you know you have it in you to be successful and successful is however you want to define it. You know you have something of value to offer. You're doing very well and you're busting your tail, working too hard, too many hours while being distracted and taxing your brain and asking it to work in a way that it was just not designed for. So what I want you to take away from all of this, what I want you to think about is number one, what was I put here on this planet to do? What am I excellent at? And how can I block time in my calendar to ensure that I spend as much time as possible there so that I really hone my expertise in that area and that I do work that's friendly to my brain rather than making it do double or quadruple duty. Because what I hear you saying is that you have what it takes, you know you can do it, you just want to find a way to not have it be so hard and you want to not be stressed about it. And when I ask you to dig a little bit deeper, what I hear people say time and again is that they just want to have peace of mind and be at peace and feel free. And I get that that's not language that we talk about in everyday culture, but that's what people say when I ask them to go deeper. All right, ladies, that's it for today. Let me know what you think in the Facebook group. Now go. Take care of your brain so you can work deeply, so you can work less and make more. I would love to hear from you and have a great week. If you want to find out more about the She Thinks Big podcast or hear previous episodes, head on over to my website, shethinksbigpodcast.com. And of course, I want to know what you're thinking big about. I hope you'll share in the She Thinks Big Facebook group. 
I love hearing from listeners because here in my studio, all I hear is crickets and my meowing cats. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. You can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please do leave me a raving five-star review. You can write to me at Geraldine at SheThinksBigPodcast.com. And if you want to send a tweet, I'm at Geraldine Carter. You've been listening to She Thinks Big. See you next week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.